God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. You can write in Bob and Clint at gmail.com. We have a uh, we have an email here that I'd like to read from Teresa Barrett. Wait, is it Teresa Barrett or is it Teresa Barrett? It's B-A-R-R-E-T-T. But it says master photographer, certified professional photographer, PPA member Zip. since 2010. Teresa says, love the show, Bob and Clint. I've been a Bob fan for 16 years now. My husband took me to my first Bob show at the Granada in Dallas on our second date. Now I'm a Clint fan too. I love the podcast. Y'all have given me something to look forward to this past year, especially when kids were in virtual school and during the long camp-free summer. My favorite part of the podcast is when Bob cracks Clint up. I can't help but giggle. Please start selling some podcast merch. I'll take a black shirt, please. I am also a double dipper Patreoner. She says, I loved Call My Agent. Thank you for the recommendation. And she recommends the following shows. The Serpent on Netflix. Lupin on Netflix. My wife loved The Serpent. I loved Lupin. I thought that was very good. This is a Robbery, which I didn't see. I watched that. My Brilliant Friend on HBO. Watched it. Have you not seen My Brilliant Friend, by the way? No. You have to watch that, dude. It's so great. Okay. All right. She says, I bought Southwest Airline tickets and Bob tickets to this Friday's early show at the Kessler. I can't wait. I may have been bamboozled because the tickets have not been delivered to me yet. Uh, I will be so sad, but hope to get tickets via email soon. A friend I've converted into a Bob fan is traveling with me, F-A-Y-M. That show already happened, correct? Yeah, and it was amazing. Those I did two shows at the Kessler, and that audience was amazing. Well, I hope she... I hope she got her tickets. I hope she I'm did guessing too. We would have heard, I'm guessing we would have heard from her if uh, that didn't happen. So, Well, their audiences were great. I had so much fun. Everybody that's going out is so happy to be out. They're so happy to be seeing live music. It's a really wonderful... It's it's wonderful. It's fun. I haven't played a gig since January sixth. Uh, you gotta you gotta play some more gigs, dude. I think I'm going crazy from it. I'm like really... I was having a really, really hard night last night. For no reason. And I, th- I think it's just wrapped up in that. Just, dude, before January 6th, I don't think I'd gone eight days without playing the show right. in 15 years. Yeah, I get it. And just, it's been really nice making a bunch of podcasts and like making albums and writing a bunch of little songies, but no one really hears those. And Well, you should, you should reach out to people and let them know that you're available. Just get on their radar. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if you lived in Austin, I'd be, you'd be playing shows all the time with me. So my son, uh, he plays lacrosse and we had to go to the, we didn't didn't have to, but we went to an awards dinner. They did the other, a couple nights ago. And I was like, okay, I'll go. They, uh, I just was thinking it's going to be kind of boring, but I got there. My ex-wife was there, her husband, um, my son was there and I got to see my son hanging out with all his friends, which is really cute. Like it's just, I don't ever get to see that. Um, and just him being a, a teenager hanging out with other teenagers. It was just, it just brought a smile. It, I, it just made me feel good to see that. And then, uh, they started doing the awards and the coach got up and he started talking about the players. I thought they were just going to hand out the awards. It was going to be really quick. But then I suddenly realized much to my chagrin that he was going to talk about every single player on the team for about two or three minutes for each player. And there's like 50 players on the team. And I'm like, Holy shit, this is going to be a long one. But 
the guy was pretty funny. And as he's going along, he starts talking about these players and it starts becoming very moving. Like to the point where I'm like starting to tear up. And these are like, I don't even know these kids and I'm tearing up. And then he gets to my son and I'm like, "Uh oh, here go the waterworks. And I'm just trying not to cry because, you know, he's like, hey, you know, this player really did a great job this year. You know, he's one of the top scorers. And and I'm like, all right, just don't cry. Don't cry. And, and I didn't have any Kleenex. I didn't have anything there. And I didn't want to get up and go get Kleenex, you know, and I'm surrounded by people. I don't know any of these people. So I make it through him getting his name called, the coach getting through the whole thing. And I'm like, okay, man, that was so close. Bunch of times I almost had, I had a couple tears that I kind of wiped away. You know, like you can, if you get one tear in your eye, you can kind of wipe it away. So I was kind of, I had a few of those where I could wipe them. So I didn't have them like, you know, coming down my cheeks. And then he's like, I'm going to have some of the captains of the team come up. And so a couple of the captains came up. They were pretty funny, you know, kids, goofy high schoolers, you know, but not great speech givers, but, you know, pretty poised and did a pretty good job. And then this one kid gets up and he looks like he's in like a a boy band, like One Direction or something like that. And he gets up there. I'm like, oh, what's this kid going to do? And he gets up there and he's got a big sheet of paper and he's like, I just want you guys to know that uh, my speech is going to be a lot longer. Because they told us to prepare a speech and, uh, well, I prepared a speech. So, you know, I'm just letting you know. And everybody's kind of laughing and stuff. And he starts, you know, giving a speech and talking about playing lacrosse and how much it meant to him. And then he starts talking about his team members and how close he's he'd gotten to some of these team members. And then he just starts crying. And as soon as he started crying, dude. The waterworks, dude. I'm just, I was bawling. I'm in the audience now. Tears are running. And I'm looking over and there's a lady. She's crying. I look over here. These people, like a bunch of people were crying. It wasn't just me. But everybody I saw crying was a woman. Not not to sound super sexist, but dude, I was bawling. And I had no Kleenex. So now I'm crying in a room full of strangers. And I'm Bob Schneider, by the way. Anyways, it was very moving and and I was so bummed out because after the whole thing was said and done, I, I really had a sense of knowing who these players were and everything. And I was like, man, I wish they would have had this at the beginning of the season because I'd watched all these lacrosse games and I didn't know who any of these kids were. And now that I knew them, I'm like, oh, I want to go watch some lacrosse games. I want to see these kids play now that I know who they are. Anyways, that's what happened to me this week cried in public yeah we had our last soccer game and the coach did a thing at the last practice where she was like all the parents come stand in a circle and of course i'm like oh my god right oh no right and and the coach goes i want everyone to go around and i want you to say something that you're proud of about your kid and then i want you to say something that you're proud of about the team wow (laughs) it's like pretty tall order for a lot of parents and like throughout the whole season we kind of are friendly with the parents we don't know them that well we did one post game where we all went out to a restaurant and my wife and i kind of sat away and left early but it actually ended up being really kind of to your point kind of sweet to hear about all the kids i felt like i knew the kids better i knew the parents better and it was kind of like oh i wish the season was starting now right instead of it being the last game and it it's like so many things in my fucking life 
I dread them. And then when they happen, I'm like, oh, that was actually not only not horrible, but nice. Right. And it just made me feel like I'm so fucked up. I'm so fucked up that I, I can't just imagine it being nice. Yeah. It's a real, it's a real character flaw of mine that is unlikely to change. I don't, I mean, dude, I think about it all the time. I have such a hard time enjoying life and I have, I really do believe I have an incredible life. Like I re, I just, I was thinking the other day, like, cause I'm always like, oh, I wish I was bigger. I wish I was more successful. And the other day I was just thinking to myself, I'm so glad that my life is so small. And I mean, it's not as small as a lot of people's lives, but it's pretty small. I mean, we've got, you know, a few hundred fans of this podcast. I've got maybe a few thousand fans of what I do musically. Uh, but that's about it. And, and I don't have to do any, I play my shows, I write my songs, I hang out with my family. I can walk any, I can go anywhere. Nobody's bugging me. Nobody's like, oh, are you the great Bob Schneider? Nobody's doing that shit at all, ever. And I just have such a wonderful life. Like, and I just was so grateful for it. That that doesn't last long, that, that feeling of gratitude. Because then something will happen and I'll, you know, get, get upset about it and then I'm off to the races. Well, I think you also... And I think I have this a little bit too. I think you live with a lot of emotional, there's a lot of emotional turbulence in your world that's not you. Oh yeah. And I also am dealing with that in some different ways, but it's the results of the same. And your good day, your good vibe can get toppled pretty easily when you live under kind of emotional duress in that area. And so I spin out pretty quickly when I feel like certain emotional aspects of my life aren't working. And then you throw a little bit of, yeah, a little bit of career doubt on that or a little bit of creative doubt on that. Phone doesn't ring for a minute. The looking into the void, (laughs) you start doing that more. It's tough, man. It's weird. It's weird to be alive. It is such a weird thing, dude. And I've been really successful at blocking out reality and dissociating from life my whole life i've just really been good at it like i'm really good at focusing on a on a task which takes my mind off of existential angst of existence dude i did a podcast yesterday with this guy jack ingram do you know him yeah songwriter songwriter dude this is what i fucking do dude this is this is who your boy Thanks, Daddy Bishniz is. This is what I'm all about, dude. I get on his podcast. Now, he's his audience, for sure, is a country audience. Like, I had listened to a couple of his podcasts beforehand. It's very, like, let's tell some stories about some country shit that happened, you know, at the show and stuff that happened. Oh, yeah, I was hanging out with uh, Jerry Jeff, and, you know, we were on the bus, and we hit a deer. That's like his whole show is that. It's called Jacking Around with Jack Ingram. And I get on the show and immediately I start using words like ribald. I'm like, yeah, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I'd like hang out with my parents and the, you know, my mom was pretty ribald. <laughs> and like, I know in my head, I know in my head who his audience is. And I'm just 
Jack, what's the verisimilitude of uh, the catharsis that we're having? I didn't stop there. Body, I used the word. I mean, I was anything I could think of that was just sort of pretentious. And and I kept saying art, like all I want to do is make art. Like, you know, whether it's a song or a piece of art, like that's all I'm interested in. You Are know? you saying you were doing this subconsciously or intentionally trying to say revolved? Well, no, I just I just got on his show and just started doing this thing like and then afterwards I was thinking about the the whole interview and I was just like, what the fuck? What the fuck is wrong with me? I know who his audience is. Why am I trying to alienate them with my language that I don't even normally use. I don't Why even know. Why were normally, you trying to do that? I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> Dude, I do it all the time. I just say all kinds of stupid shit because I'm like uncomfortable or I'm I know nervous what it is. or I want people to like me. And so I, I'm like, I just get crazy. But I know what it is. What is it? Because you've told me and, and I've known you a long time. You are afraid they won't love you. And so what you do is you just at the very beginning make yourself unlovable to confirm what you're already afraid of, which is that they won't love you. So you make yourself, you try to make yourself unlovable so that yeah, when they don't I love like, you, you can be like, yeah, I, you can I, be I, like, yeah, well, of course they don't love me. Because I sabotage myself. And if they would yeah. actually see the real me, of course they would love me, but they didn't because I, I sabotage myself. Yeah. I, yeah, I know I do that. I do. I just do that. And plus I just have this thing where I'm like, I do have this thing where it's like, you want, if you want me to be a certain way, I'm going out of my way to not be that. And if you have, dude, I can tell you one thing. Like I can just, I can say whatever it is, state my point to you. And then somebody can state that exact point that I made to you, to me, and I'm going to take the opposing side. Yeah. Contrarian. And I don't know what that is either. I mean, I call it Aristotelian because somebody told me that's what it is. And it sounds fucking like I'm some god kind of goddamn fucking brain scholar. Well, you know, the great Aristotle, of course, uh, I follow in his footsteps and... uh... (laughs) Dude, when I use the word Aristotelian, I just assume that people are looking at me like, how's he keeping that brain inside those ear holes? Because that <laughs> motherfucker's got some brains. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's interesting to think about. I don't have that problem. Dude, you don't. You're so good at not doing that. You're so good at not doing it. But I also don't, I also don't really capitulate. I, I'm okay at being, I'm okay with myself. Especially, I also have a belief about myself, which may not actually be true and may be like self-inflated, but I also have a belief about myself that I shine in those scenarios. So if someone wants to interview me for a podcast, I always feel pretty confident that even who gets presented in that, I may like that guy better than who I actually am when I live inside myself. Well, you're really good at expressing whatever thoughts you have. Whereas me, I have a thought I want to express it. And what comes out is goobly gook a lot of time, dude. I'll like try to say something and out just comes a bunch of bullshit, like just weird shit. I'm like, what is what? It's interesting to think about you as like almost a spectator of of you. And you're doing the it's kind of the Bob Schneider thing, the fun, funny, clowny, make everyone laugh, say something off the wall. But, but you almost as like a spectator of that is going, why are you doing that? 
I mean, what I, is that? I like being goofy. I like saying funny shit. I like thinking of funny things and laughing about it. Like, I was talking to my wife about it, and she was saying that the only th- way to combat depression and the abyss of life, the abyss of the unknown and your eventual doom, is absurd absurdism. Like, yeah. to to take everything that exists and look at how absurd it is and make fun of it is the only defense. And I was like, yeah, I agree with that 100%. So I love all of it. But there's a time and a place, and I I will say this, I'm going to give myself some props. I've gotten better at it over the years. Like there is a time and a place to put that aside and be real and be serious and just be like either listen or just say, okay, I hear what you're saying and not comment on it. I think you've gotten better at it, even just in the little ecosystem of the podcast. Yeah, well, because I've I've listened to these podcasts and 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 gone, okay, I need to not talk as much. And the ones where we ha- strike that balance are there are easily the episodes that resonate the most with our listeners. And I would argue they're the episodes where, when they're done, even before we know that the listeners are going to enjoy it, those are the ones we feel the best about. Just as a friendship, we're like we had fun. We got into some shit that was important. We worked out some shit together of what we're dealing with. Yeah. And we did it in 30 minutes. Those I feel like every time we record is like an interesting opportunity to see if we can land the plane. And we don't sometimes, but sometimes when we do, it's like we landed it, you know, in 30 minutes. Do we land? Because people don't even know, like, we do not talk about what we're going to say at all. We've never done that in oh. two years, however many years. We just hit record and we really don't do a lot of pre- talk before we hit record no so it it really is like jumping out of a fucking plane and seeing if we can get if the parachute opens sometimes it's just pots and pans in there dude i was just thinking about like how we did that one podcast where we just never stopped speaking in the english accents i loved it i loved it too but here's the thing people so mad i know but then but we did we didn't make we made like one or two people mad but there was a bunch of people that liked it yeah and, and but just because we made that one person was so mad about it and they like wrote in, we've never done anything like that again. I wouldn't have done it even if someone didn't write that in because I've, I'd wanted to do that as an experiment for a while. And then we did it. And I, I felt, I felt like, well, we did that. I, I wouldn't want to do it again. Dude, there's a thing that happened in my, in my uh, Metallica podcast. It happened on episode 11, uh-huh. which was in 2017. Right. And we've called it the church giggles where me and Ethan started laughing so hard that we were crying and we could, and we weren't on drugs. We we hadn't really been drinking. This kind of mania happened to us and it's about 10 minutes long and it's pretty funny. And it's like a really like historic in the little ecosystem of metal up your podcast. It's a really famous thing that happened. Right. It has never happened since. Right. It is. We called it the church giggles. It has never happened since because it's almost like, and and there have been moments where it started to ramp up into it. And Ethan even said, like, oh, my God, I feel the church good was coming. And I didn't immediately squash it. I just let it play out. But I've never revisited that in that way or tried to engineer it because we did it. And it was a really cool thing that happened. That thing that we did, the tail of the sandwich, we didn't talk about doing that. It just happened. Yeah. And I thought that episode was pretty funny. I don't know what we talked about. It's about a sandwich within a sandwich or something. Have I, ever, have I ever done the listen to me, my friend, my friend, my friend, my friend, my friend, my friend? Yeah. Yeah. We've done that's, that on here too. Dude, that's my favorite. I was doing that the other day with somebody and they let me do it. I could do that for 
I'm going to say 10 minutes, which would be a long time. One thing that I do revisit on Metal Group Podcast, I've tried it here a few times, but you rarely do it with me, but is a maniacal laughter. And I used to do this on the on the bus with the band and the crew where I was like, hey, guys, like if everyone's just sort of sitting around like being kind of quiet time, I would just start laughing like ridiculously. And before you know it, people start laughing for real. And we had a, a monitor engineer who if I started doing that, he would run off the bus because he he always hurt his stomach so much and he almost threw up so many times. Because it starts as kind of like silly. Right. And then you you just really get everyone going and then it really becomes funny. People do this actually. They're called laughing parties where people are just laughing so hard that they almost vomit. And uh, I like to do that on Metal Your Podcast. I'll just do some maniacal laughter. I'll put a little reverb on it. It's a good time. Man, my son lately is... Because I'll I'll... I'll, I'll, I definitely want to try to get my son to laugh. So I'll do some of my, you know, I'll, I'll try some of my material on him. And sometimes he's not in the mood. And when he's not in the mood, uh, he'll do this thing where he'll just like, he'll do like a fake weird laugh and he'll just go. To <laughs> <laughs> get so, you to stop whatever you're doing. But there's so much like youthful energy. There's so much like of that young fire hose amount of energy to it that it's it's star- it's startling and and kind of hurtful like i pretend <laughs> i pretend like it doesn't hurtful. hurt my feelings but it does really hurt my feelings well why is he is he trying to get you to stop is yeah that he just he's like be, yeah he's like i don't think i you're, gave you I the laugh i don't think you're funny and you think you're funny and now i'm gonna give you this crazy laugh and he'll do it until i stop talking and leave and I'm like, okay, you win. I'm I'm leaving, and it's hurts. I toured once with a guy whose whole shtick was, you know, you know, it is on tour. Everyone's trying to be funny. Everyone's making jokies. Yeah, but his whole thing is he would erupt in the laughter and give you that feel good charge of like, oh, I'm funny. And then you'd look at him to confirm whatever, and he would just go completely straight. Ooh. So his whole so his whole deal was, I'm not really laughing. Whoa. But he would be like, Puh! and you'd look over, and then he would just go completely stone cold because he didn't think it was funny. And Whoa. it worked almost every time. Because if you are kind of on the road trying to be funny guy, or maybe you with Luke, you're wanting people to laugh. Yeah. So for him to like, I always thought it was very cruel, a very cruel vibe. Man, I was, I, I think I mentioned this before. I was hanging out with Matt Carney and his whole crew, and they're a bunch of smart guys, really nice, super smart, super nerdy. And uh, normally in those situations, it's me and the, it's my group. So in my group, I tend to do a lot of talking. Because I know everybody and I'm comfortable, but since if I'm in a situation where there's a bunch of people and I don't know anybody, I kind of revert to this sort of old me, which is kind of like, and I feel a little intimidated and a little shy, and I just tend to lay back and not do a lot of talking in those situations. And these guys were doing, they were doing what we normally do, but they were doing it with their specific their specific dynamic which is these guys are all like super smart dude their sound guy i don't i wish i could remember his name their sound guy was one of the smartest guys i've ever i was like explain bitcoin to me and he just was like well bitcoin is like the blockchain uh equivalent of the you take the uh fiduciary uh monetary systems that are dude he just I mean, I sound like a fucking dumbass saying it. I was just trying to think of some words, but he was just making sense and explaining it all. And I was like, how is that coming out of somebody's mouth? What's funny to me about that is 
when I encounter people that are really into cryptocurrency, I'm like, okay, you're a fucking idiot. No offense to anyone who's into cryptocurrency, but the like, fact okay. that the fact that he could explain it, and then this other guy was like talking about Brian Wilson and what made that music interesting, and uh, like they were just like really just smart guys. I was like, man, I'm learning so much. And then this one guy, the fucking biblical scholar guy, I said I mentioned something about a biopic, and he's like, oh, it's biopic, and I'm like, what? And I just assumed because these guys were so smart that I'd said bi- biopic wrong my entire no, life. No, it is called biopic. Oh, I know. Because afterwards, the next day, I looked it up and I pressed the little pronunciation thing and it's biopic. Yeah, it is biopic. And I sent that to those motherfuckers and said, hey, dudes, I guess you weren't as smart as you thought. Dude, you know what they sent me? A fruit basket. They sent me a whole article on a thing called a misley. Do you know what that is? A misel. No. It's not a misley. It's a misel. Do you know what a misel is? No. No. A misel is when you say a word wrong. And it comes from from seeing the word mis, misled and pronouncing it misled instead of misled. Mm-hmm. And biopic and biopic are one of those misled misel words. That's mm-hmm. what he sent. That's what he sent me. Not just oh, I had it wrong, but hey, here's some more stuff you probably don't know. And he was right. It's and funny dude, how take how taken intellectually taken you were with this band. Yeah, dude, they were fucking smart. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, yeah, they were. They were smart. They were all smarter than me. And I was just like, damn. Because here's the thing, man. I really think about this a lot. I'm creative as fuck, dude. I'm C-A-V. I'm Cav, dude. Creative as fuck. But when it comes to smarts, I'm pretty smart. Did you say C-A-V? C-A-V. Creative as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) C-A-F? I'm calf, dude. I'm not calf. I'm, I'm so smart I can catch letter errors. How smart I am. I'm created as Vuck, dude. <laughs> Vuck. Creative I'm, as Wolfpack. I'm creative as Vicks Formula 44. So you were saying you're very creative. That you're saying that's where your intellectual energy goes. So I'm creative. I, I write I, I I have no problems being creative. And I'm smart. But man, if I was just a little smarter, like if I was just 10 more IQ points smarter, there's no telling what I could do. Because when I see people that are super smart like that and creative, they're the ones that do the stuff that I'm just in awe of. Then I'm like, well, I can't do that because I'm not that smart. I'm not as smart as David Byrne. I'm not as smart as fucking. Well, few people are as smart as David Byrne. I know, but I want to be as smart as him. I'm not as smart as Billy Collins. But if I was as smart as him, God damn it, there's no telling what I could do. Or Mark Strand. Or any yeah. of these motherfuckers who just do stuff that fucking kills me. I mean, I'm smarter than a lot. But I'm not, understand what you, I'm not yeah, smart you like th- those guys. To understand what your limitations are and understand what's possible to get better at and then do it. The guy, the, bit, the guy that could answer you about Bitcoin, he just stays on the internet all the time. He's on the internet all the time reading about Bitcoin. So if you just, if you wanted to waste your time that way, you could answer a lot of questions about Bitcoin. Dude, let me ask you a few questions about this guy and I'll just, I'll, I'll let you answer. I know how much you like the guessing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Was he vaping the entire time? <laughs> Did he have an electronic vape thing in his mouth the whole time? Of course he did. Did he have hair? Did he have the exact look of Frank Zappa? <laughs> <laughs> did he have that exact look? Yes. In 2021? Yes. Was he malnourished? Yeah, emaciated, yeah. Um, was he on his laptop computer for about an hour and then sprang up into action and then came to the fire to talk about Bitcoin vaping furiously? Yes. <laughs> was, exactly. was he, will he forever, as long as the world fucking is flat, be a fucking nerd. And guess where Clint Boy was during all this in his hotel room going, CP Tai Tai. Bye. Oh my God. All right. And Nerds. with that, we got to go. Thank you for joining us again here at IOKUOK. I'm not okay or not okay airlines. We know you have choices when you fly, and uh, we're grateful that you flew with us. You can lend, uh, send us an email, bobandclint at gmail.com. You can support our other podcasts by listening to them, telling your buddies about them. And of course, you can get on the Patreon train over at patreon.com slash letters IOK. You're going to get a postcard, several postcards maybe, and uh, the first 100 secret weeklies, plus access to the secret weekly, plus Bob's cover of Prince's 1999, plus a couple songs that me and Bob wrote, plus uh, eternal life and uh, the joy of knowing that all your wildest dreams are going to come true. We will see you now in the secret weekly. Bye-bye. Peace. Peace. <laughs>